Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. Word is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. First of five readings for the next few weeks. It is written, says Paul, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who has raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore... We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. Speak to us now, us on the journey of faith, where it's easy to lose heart. Uh, Help us regain our heart in these words by the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I was thinking there's a lot of things that can make you lose heart, that can knock the heart out of you. Maybe you're going through some of those yourself at the moment. I know there are people around where we live that are. Things that make you lose heart, lose confidence, lose conviction, you know, lose hope, lose love for your now and for your tomorrow. And with no real heart in it, man, your work and your study and your career and your family and your church and all your plans... For the future, boy, they can seem pretty futile and maybe even a bit fearful. Well, I think we'll understand, hopefully, this next few weeks, Paul, the man who wrote this letter, he knows what it is to lose heart, the depths of it. He'll show us, I think, that God's heart prevails when we lose our heart. He finds it, or rather, maybe, God's heart finds him and it all happens at the very bottom of the barrel. And he'll show us, I think, how we Christians in a community or just uh, individuals too, I guess, are called to go about not losing heart because we don't have to. There's no need to. 
no matter how deep and dark the barrel might be at any given time. So 2 Corinthians uh, is a combination of fragments of a conversation between a church community and a church missionary, a church planter, an apostle, a sent one. It's an incomplete story of a pretty rocky relationship. You know, I thought listening to this letter is like listening to your friend on the phone with another friend. You only get one side of the conversation and you only get fragments, but you sort of get enough to roughly get it, but you've got a lot of questions about all the detail because you can't hear the other side of the story. It's a bit like that. Um, These Corinthians have really knocked the stuffing out of Paul. As a result, he's probably come close, as close as he ever got, maybe, to losing heart for them, maybe even for his calling as an apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, We pick up the story. Paul's just been released from a dark, dingy, dodgy, harsh prison in another city, Ephesus. He's been rotting away in that place for no just reason, only for proclaiming Jesus, uh, for maybe two years. Two years. And all the time he's probably been stewing on this broken relationship with this community in Corinth. I've never been forced to serve time in a prison. I hope it never happens to me. But they tell me that if you are forced to do that, you never come out unscathed. Paul is a scarred man. And he's a deeply troubled man as well. This letter of all letters, if you read it, it shows the depths of his loss of heart almost, and yet the heights of great joy all in one. It's thought that he finds a halfway house after getting out of prison, some safety and some time to recover with his friend Philemon in another city, Colossae, and slowly maybe the nightmares abate, maybe. But his, his heart is still burning for two things, two things, He needs to get back to Corinth. He needs to see if it can be made right. He needs to try and figure out how the relationship can be healed. It's been eating him up. Like someone you know who used to love you and used to love them and now they don't because you had a big fight and you don't know whether it will recover. It chews you up. Can you imagine doing that for two years by yourself in a prison cell? Anyway... He needs to do that and the other thing he needs to do is complete his mission to gather a large as possible sum of money, a collection, to give to the folks back in the city of Jerusalem a long way away who are in drought, probably in famine and under persecution. So there are two reasons that he hits the road toward Corinth. Uh, the road's been pretty rough between he and the Corinthians. He's in that place of conflict. You might know what that's like. His heart burns for reconciliation, if it's possible. Well, he did write that first letter. We know it's quite large, isn't it, when you read it? And he thought he lovingly dealt with all the questions they threw at him and all the issues they raised, like the use of money, uh, behaviour in matters of sex, believing in the final appearing of Jesus, what that means for your life now, etc. 
He even wrote that magnificent poem of love that gets used at weddings all the time. Love is patient and kind. But it all just turned sour and went south. Here's some things. There was internal fighting among the leadership. They were embarrassed by Paul's shabby appearance, his awkward speaking manner, and his blunt and direct teaching style. Paul would simply not fit in or play along with the Corinthian Christians what they wanted and expected in a Greek or a Roman civic or military leader. He didn't fit the picture. Another thing is he wouldn't take any money from them for his labour among them, as he was known to do in other places for various reasons. This was really an affront to their pride. Our money not good enough for you, mate. They called his apostleship into question and asked for more letters of accreditation, more references. The next time he came, him, an apostle to the Gentiles, needs to provide references. Anyway, forget that. And they were really annoyed with him because he switched plans on them. He was supposed to come earlier and then he changed his mind and they, they labelled him as untrustworthy or even a bit, you know, lost a few marbles. What the heck's going on here? Well, the Corinthians had obviously failed to recognise how the gospel ministry actually operates. It doesn't operate like the world. Power, dominance, creating winners and losers. It doesn't do that. Here's how it does. As a servant of God, we commend ourselves in every way to you, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonour, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. A little bit different to the world. So there's my CV, says Paul, and it, you don't need letters, it's written on your heart. It's the reason that you're a church because I planted you. Anyway, he says all that. So Paul heads off and he looks for Titus. He was a partner in the mission there and he understands the whole scene. Can't find him. Goes to Troas. No one knows where Titus is. Eventually, Titus finds Paul. And the best news that Paul's heard in two years, the Corinthians have softened up. They've repented They've realised they got a bit harsh and they'd love you to come back. Oh, oh, just like you when your friend says, I forgive you. Joy, joy, joy. And so this scarred man who's now rejuvenated by reconciliation with a driving conviction to fulfil his calling, well, now he sets to. Beautiful. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. 
We have this treasure in jars of clay. Good band. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. We might be perplexed but we are never in despair. We are persecuted but we are never abandoned. We are struck down but we are not destroyed. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again for them. So from now on, we regard no one from a merely worldly point of view, looks, power, money, beauty, though we once regarded Jesus in that way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. What do you do with that? Here's what he says. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Beautiful. Don't do it now. Don't do it now. Well, you, you can at home if you like. It's okay. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here send you their blessing. Ah, beautiful. That's what true reconciliation can do for a person, don't you think? That's what it can do for a church. That's what it can do for anybody. Peace with God and people gives you heart. Heart for serving and giving and living and moving and being. It makes you new. He makes you new. Friends, I would say to you, this is how you are called to face your challenges, whatever they are, with this reconciled heart. This is how we face any conflict, any discord, any hard stuff, anything that tries to knock the stuffing out of you, knock your heart out. You do it with faith in Jesus and his new promise, delivered reconciliation. A Christian church can operate with a new gospel heart then and it comes from a laser focus we fix our eyes not on what is seen around us, but what is unseen. Since what is temporary around us, well, that's just temporary. What is unseen, reconciliation, peace, love, forgiveness, all of that, that's everlasting. That goes on. Where is your focus? Really. Have a think about it. Where is your laser focus? What are you focused on most of the time? What do you spend most of your time thinking about? Where are you looking to face the challenges you are facing? Honestly. Don't just say Jesus and the Bible and all that. Where are you actually looking to face your challenges? I tell you what, this makes it clear. Paul makes it clear. You won't find new heart by withholding love or ignoring your own or other's pain, or bearing grudges or getting even, or getting more and more and more, or despairing of yourself, or losing confidence in Jesus' presence and promises given to you in your baptism. No, you won't find heart for the journey there. Here's where Paul got it. 
Now, I don't know whether you picked up the first words were a bit weird of this letter, this reading. I believe, therefore I spoke. Great. (laughs) What the heck does that mean? It's from Psalm 116, verse 10. And if you read 116, you'll get it. You will get it. I believe, therefore I spoke to the Lord. I am greatly afflicted. My heart is on a razor's edge here, Lord. I said in my haste, in my panic, in my anxiety to the Lord, all people are liars. I don't trust anyone. But God (laughs) proved himself trustworthy. God is no liar. Hear this. Can you imagine in the bottom of a prison cell when you're aching over a conflicted relationship and you've got no hope and you're unjustly in prison, you're unjustly restrained and isolated, poor people in Melbourne. God proved himself true. I love the Lord, he says, because he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I'll call on him as long as I live, says the psalm writer. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave was coming out of the ground at me and sucking me in. I was overcome by distress and pain and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord, save me. Hosanna. It's the words. Hosanna. Lord, save us. God is full of compassion. God is full of compassion. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Friends, I pray that you'll find at the bottom of your barrel what Paul found. He found the grace of God when he least expected it and couldn't even do anything to get it. He was totally undone. Heart comes from God's heart of love, not from your heart. It doesn't come from within you. It comes from within him, in his words, in his people, all that. Is this your experience? Thank God if it is. You beauty, good on you, God. Do you want it to be your experience? Why don't you ask? Read read Psalm 116 and just ask. In your questions and your dashed hopes and your overwhelming realisation that you really haven't got what it takes, and that your life actually may be quite insignificant in the world after all, that your performance is a bit dodgy, your heart is squashed, your love is broken, your clay vessel is smashed on the ground, you'll find heart there because Jesus is there at the bottom of the barrel. And he's all heart. Return to your rest in him, friend. Sure, we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, But why? We also share and abound in his comfort, says Paul. Jesus shows God to be father of all compassion and comfort. That's how Paul knows God. That's how a lot of people know God. Hopefully you do too. So now you can greet one another with a holy kiss. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for his sake For your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become richer than anybody in the whole world without need for money. New heart gives new sight. 
Jesus gives you new words today, new loves, new efforts, new hopes, new possibilities for old problems. So from now on, we regard, we do not, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded even Jesus this way. No, if anyone is in Christ, and you are, the new creation has come, past tense. The old has gone, the new is here. Take Jesus' heart today, no matter what you or we are facing. We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being made new day by day. In the name of Christ, amen. With the Holy Spirit's power, live your calling to find reconciliation in as much as it's up to you with people around you, but more importantly, to let the heart of Jesus uh, show you that he loves to reconcile you to himself even now. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Heavenly Father, and the power and the friendship and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you, friend. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. stpetri.org.au